0: This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family wealth and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more.
1: Your work is never gonna come to you and go, you know why? You should take some more time off. Your kids are never gonna come to you and go, mom, dad, put your feet up, seriously. <laughs> let me cook dinner myself It's never going to happen. If you want something to change, you have to change it.
0: dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids & Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about how we can take back our time. As a young parent, I often find myself battling between my responsibilities as a husband, as a father, and now a small business owner. And let's not forget the other hats that I wanna wear in my life. Athlete, volunteer, mentor, friend. These identities and the time commitment that comes with them can be difficult to balance. So to help me and the other folks out there listening who are trying to find this balance, I've invited Christy Wright on the show today. Christy is a number one national best-selling author, personal development expert, and the host of The Christy Wright Show. Since 2009, Christy has served at Ramsey Solutions, where she teaches on personal development, business, and faith. Her new book, Take Back Your Time, The Guilt-Free Guide to Life. Life Balance is out now. When Christy isn't helping others take back their time, she's off for a good run or hanging out with her husband, Matt, and their three kids. Welcome to the show, Christy.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Absolutely. Well, this is an important topic. It kind of hit me, oh, right in the gut as soon as I started reading it and heard (laughs) that uh, you'd have the opportunity to come on the show. So you're all about personal development. Is this message of take back your time, is this even more relevant after living through a global pandemic?
1: Yeah, I think it is. And what's so interesting is I think we all got a new perspective on our time and our calendars when our calendars were cleared, of course, unless you were an essential worker last year. And we're like, oh my gosh, to have margin, to breathe, to go for a walk in the neighborhood, to look my neighbors in the eyes and enjoy sunsets. We had this like, almost kind of like this epiphany that would not have happened any other way. But here is what's so interesting, Andy. We're going right back to busy we're going right back to our old ways. And and I'm not shaming people. I'm I'm one of those people. I wrote the book I needed <laughs> for me. But the the way that our world works, the way that technology pulls at us, the FOMO that we feel, all the variables that play from being connected to work in many cases more than ever because we're working from home and and so we're kind of always on. All these things are still in place now that our life is picking back up and and going back to to the old ways. And we're falling right back into old habits. So I think we had a a glimpse of, of what it feels like to have a little margin. We don't want a completely clear schedule. Obviously, we need community. I don't think that the epiphany we had when we had a little time stuck with us. Unfortunately, I think we're kind of going back to our old ways.
0: Let's talk about maybe some of the negative effects of those old ways. What can happen when somebody doesn't have control over their time?
1: Well, there's the surface level stuff. And surface is not bad. This is the tactical results. We're exhausted. We end up a lot of times rushed, and that doesn't sound like a big deal unless you unpack what usually happens when you rush. Well, when I rush, for example, I am short-tempered, I'm impatient, I'm more stressed, I'm more anxious, I'm more unkind, and so I'm kind of the worst version of myself. So you think, oh, it's not that bad, I'll just try to rush from this to that, but that creates a ripple effect, a a domino effect of all these qualities that I don't even want to be. And I think what's happening is we think the solution to our problem with balance is to do more. We think I just need to be more productive. I just need to wake up earlier. I need a better morning routine. I need to become a morning person. I need more coffee. I need to multitask. I need to be more efficient, more productive. I need a better time management app. I need to work smarter and harder and stay up later. Oh, we do all that. And we're just exhausted. We don't actually feel any more balanced. So I set out to reclaim this word, redefine this word, and show you what true balance is, and how it actually is possible. Because what I think we really want, what I think we really want, Andy, regardless of men or women, married or not, parents or not, any type of work that you do, I think when we say we want balance, what we really want is peace. Being confident in our choices when we say yes to this or no to that, being proud of how we spend our time for once in our lives, actually enjoying our life. I think that's what we're actually after. When we say we want balance and it turns out the path to that is not productivity. And so I want to help people understand what they're really after. The the, the deeper issues that are leading to anxiety and stress and, and, and you know, a strain on your marriage, even a strain on your confidence, the guilt, the shame, all these things are going on that we just accept as normal. I'm going, hey, this doesn't have to be normal. You can actually change it. And yes, there's a piece of changing the calendar, the tactical surface stuff of a little more margin and less rushing in doing the right things. But there's also some deep work we have to do where we have to understand why we do what we do if we're going to shake the guilt and shame and the strain that we're feeling at a deeper level. I think we need both.
0: I like that a lot. And you know, obviously when somebody has written a book, as you alluded to, maybe this topic has hit them personally at some point in their lives. When did you realize, I need to take my time back? When when did you feel that epiphany moment where you're saying, hey, I need to write a book on this. I need to tackle this personally.
1: Well, this topic has been in me, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, for 10 years. And here's why. When I started out as a speaker for our company in 2010, we had a speakers group and all the other speakers had a certain message and a certain market they went after, except for me. We were very scrappy in these early days, okay? A smaller company and so on. Well, I kind of became the jack of all trades. I became the catch-all. So any speaking request that we got that didn't fall in one of those buckets of one of the other speakers went to me. Now, this was incredible training ground for me as a speaker, but we would have someone, you know, email in and say, Hey, do you have a speaker that speaks on life balance? We, go, we sure do. Christy Wright. And so I literally, in response to the need, began researching this topic and took an interest in this topic before I was even married, Andy, before I even had kids and felt that strain at a whole nother level. So I started to dig into it. Well, when I was speaking on this, I saw what a pain point it was for people. I saw how my content, and in the content is worded a little different now, but it has not changed from what I was originally speaking 10 years ago, was hitting a nerve with people. It was setting people free. It was making them feel like they can take a deep breath. And that to me, lit a fire in me of going, I wanna help people in this particular area. Now fast forward, I get married, I have three kids in five years. And my my career begins to have more and more demands, more and more opportunities, all good opportunities. But I felt that strain in a whole new way. Because as, as everyone listening to this show knows, when you have children, and it's not that people that don't have children don't feel out of balance, that's not what I'm saying, but it's a different layer of not only responsibility, but but you're you love these little people so much. And then you also love other things. And you're going, how... Do I reconcile that I love lots of things and they're all deeply emotional? Our work is deeply emotional. Our children, our families, our spouses are deeply emotional. So it's that much more important that we figure out what it looks like to create our version of balance because what's on the line, we're talking about our relationship with our kids, our relationship with our spouse. We're talking about the work that we do that we spend 40 plus hours a week doing. These are major things. So it really matters that we dig into this and do the work to identify what balance looks like for us so that we can create it in our life in any particular season.
0: I love it. I, and I love this mission you're on too. And you talk about this word balance, obviously this is something that you've talked about with loads of people. I even heard a panel you were on where you're talking about balance and people almost saying it's like a myth. Do you believe it's a myth? Is this word a myth? Is there? Do we need a different word? What do you think?
1: Here's what's so interesting. So everybody has mixed feelings about this word. A lot of them are negative. Okay, balance is balance is BS. Oh, balance, eye rolls, right? Like we kind of hate this word and we can't stop talking about it. <laughs> it's the number one question I'm asked. I've been a business coach for over a decade and the number one question I'm asked is not a business question. It's this question. And I'm asked by men and women, those in business, those in career, stay-at-home moms, young, you know, middle-aged, old. It doesn't matter we all struggle with this. We've got all the analogies, right? Like juggling balls, spinning plates, walking in the tightrope. And the truth is those analogies, they might make us feel good for a moment, but they don't help us actually manage our Tuesday. They don't actually make us feel better about what we're doing in our life. And so what's so interesting I'm, for anybody into the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram eight. And so I just like to like, if there's a you know conflict, I like to just bulldoze into it. So I was very intentional to put that word on the cover of my book. I didn't want to call it something else because I thought, no, here's what I want to do. I want to take this word that everybody's a little irritated with and I want to redefine it. Because if they're saying the word, then I want to say the word they're saying. That's what they call it. I don't want to call it something else. I want to call it what they call it. I just want to shine new light on it. I want to bring light into a dark space and bring freedom into a place that is normally weighed down by guilt and shame. And so that's what I love about the tagline of this book. Take back your time. The guilt-free guide to life balance. Because we almost always associate balance with guilt, which is why we're so because it makes us feel bad about ourselves. The truth is, the way that I define balance in the book, life balance is not doing everything for an equal amount of time or a 50-50 split. Life balance is doing the right things at the right time. And you get to decide what's right for you. Well, that definition of balance is not only possible, but it leads to that result I talked about a minute ago of, okay, I feel peace. I'm not doing everything. I'm not even doing all these things that are good opportunities. I'm doing what's right. I'm doing what's right for me. So if what's right for you is taking care of a newborn baby and you get one shower a week and you're proud of yourself, if you get a three hour stretch of sleep at night, that's right for you right now. You're not failing because your house is a mess. You're not lazy because you're not working out. You're not a bad friend because you haven't seen your friend and friends in four months. You're doing what's right for you in this season. For someone starting a business that's working 80 hours a week to get the business off the ground, you're doing the right things at the right time. There is such freedom in this message as I want to help people discover what's right right now, what's right for you. I'm not going to tell you what that is, only you know in your life. But I'm going to help you figure that out and then show you how you can spend time on it. And it turns out that's what's going to lead to that peace and confidence and enjoyment that I think we're really after when we say balance.
0: And you talk about this in a step-by-step nature in the book, and one of your first steps is to decide what matters. So how can people do that? How can they tactically decide what matters in their life?
1: Well, everything, in, the, the five steps that I lay out in the book, the, the chapter that comes after those is all about seasons. And so I want to actually, just for the context of our conversation, bring seasons to the front here. Everything I teach you in this path is put through the lens of your season. And I don't think we talk about this enough. We think of priorities as a set it and forget it thing. Like this is our priorities are, our, our, you know, in November, we're holding our freight to the fire for our New Year's resolutions in January. And maybe it's right to be accountable and th- follow through. Maybe your life has changed. And so what I want to help people do instead of just thinking that they hold, have to hold themselves to the same standard and expectations of things that were right six months ago or six years ago, I actually want to help them get in the rhythm of asking themselves what's right right now, or to your point in step one, decide what matters. So what matters right now in this season? What's right right now for me? I'll give you a contrasting example here. In the summer, it was a lighter season at work. I was taking Fridays off, playing with my kids, getting my work done, had a pretty clean house, saw my friends, and worked out. A lot of things made the cut of what could make it on the calendar because it was just a lighter season. We're in a different season right now. (laughs) Okay, things have changed. Fall came in, things kicked into gear. August, we're going into the new New Year. I'm launching a book. Because I'm in a very busy season right now, three things make the cut first launching a book, which is work. Work comes first right now. Yes, I said it. Work comes first right now. These are my priorities in this season. It doesn't mean I'm a bad mom. It doesn't mean I hate my children. It means in this season, I'm going to be realistic about what my priorities are. And right now, if I get an opportunity to fly to New York to take an interview, I'm going to say yes to that. So we need to be realistic about what our tactical priorities are. And so work Second, of course, my family. I want to be with my husband and kids any moment that I'm not working. They always make the cut. In any season, my kids are, my, my husband and kids are making the cut. And then third, I'm in seminary right now, which is very consuming. So here's what I'm not doing. Here's what's not making the cut. My house is not as clean as I would like. I have not seen my friends in forever, and I'm not working out. But instead of beating myself up for that and spinning up this narrative that I'm failing because oh, I'm not working out, oh, my house is a mess. I haven't seen my friends No, no, no. I remind myself of what's right right now. What matters now? Book, family, seminary. That's what's right right now. So here's what's so powerful about this question. When you decide what matters, when you decide what's right right now, it not only gives you permission to focus on it, be present for it, make progress in it, be proud of it. It helps you shake the guilt for all the things that are not right right now. And so when I walk through my living room and I step over toys because it's a mess, I don't look at that and go, oh, you're failing. I go, girl, that's not right right now. Right now, it's not the season for a perfectly clean house. You're reading 300 pages a week on Revelation. You're doing great. And so I just want to help people, especially parents that often focus on where they feel like they're falling short. I want to help them flip their focus to not only what is right right now, but being proud of those things, appreciating their progress in those areas so they are not only doing the right things, but they acknowledge this is right. It's okay that I haven't seen my friends. It's okay that I didn't volunteer in the last two months. It's okay that whatever you're choosing to say no to because it's not a priority right now, instead flip your focus to what is a priority right now and be proud of that. What's right right now in this specific season?
0: We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash tello and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. marriagekidsandmoney.com slash tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsor, everyone. Let's jump back into the show. That's a beautiful sentiment, especially the seasons portion of it, because things change. Your priorities might change based on where you are. You talked about faith. That's something that's very important to you. There's a lot of people out there that want to have God first all the time. What would you say to that as seasons change? I mean, is this something that you battle with as somebody who is busy with their family, very busy with their business, but also wants to put God first? How does that work for you?
1: Yes, this is a great question. It actually brings up these two types of priorities I talk about in the book. So we tend to think of priorities as a set it and forget it thing. People think of priorities as this thing that like it's in and they never change. These are my priorities for life. And so people say things like Christians, often people of faith will say, my priorities are God, other, self, in that order. And I'm like, that's a nice Sunday school answer, but it's not practical for real lifetime management. So here's what I'm, what I lay out in the book. We all have a set of fixed priorities. These are priorities that probably don't change for most of your life, for the most part. These are the priorities that if push comes to shove and all hell breaks loose, this is what matters most in this order. Of course, my children come above work. If right now I got a call that, that my son was in the ER, I would walk out of this room, pull out my, my earpiece and be gone and not think twice about it. Of course, if push comes to shove, my children come before my work. Of course, God comes before my work. God comes before anything where if God called me to do something as a person of faith, I'm going to be obedient to what I feel like he's asking me to do. But in addition to the fixed priorities, the thing we have to remember is we don't live in this world where all hell is breaking loose. So we need a second set of priorities that are what I call flexible priorities that, to your point, reflect the season we're in. They are more specific, relevant, current then your fixed priorities. So my fixed priorities might be, you know, my, my kids come before my work, but then in my season, my flexible ones, are. hey, in this season, work comes first. In this week, kids comes first. In this day, work comes first. And, and they're more flexible and fluid and more current and specific. One of my flexible priorities in the spring was getting my boys to swim. That's pretty specific. But that helps me then inform my calendar. And so when people say, I want to put God first, yes, God is first in a fixed priority sense, but I'm not going to spend seven days a week at church if that's what God being first represents to you. I don't think that that's how we're even called to live our lives. Now, for someone, it might look like they take a Sabbath once a week. For someone else, it might look like they do a quiet time before their day. For someone else, for a mom, I just want to give some encouragement to the moms uh, or dads, busy busy parents that are on this. And, they, and for them, their relationship with God, if they're a person of faith, is a source of shame and guilt. I just want to remind you, God is everywhere. If the only time you can talk to him is sitting in the car pickup line, he's there. You don't have to have a hot cup of coffee and a succulent in your Bible for three hours every morning to experience God. That's the Instagram version of God. And I just want to encourage you, God is so excited to see you whenever you want to talk to him. I don't care if it's in the car pickup line, if it's on the toilet, if it's in the shower, if it is you hiding in a closet, he's there. So don't let This legalistic idea of what it means to put God first, put you in a box and pile on the shame. I don't think that's how God thinks of you, talks to you, or wants you to experience him. And so in any new season, your faith will look different in a tactical playing out in your calendar. Sometimes you might be in church every Sunday and you might have a Sabbath and you might have that awesome quiet time and there might be months. There was months, Andy, where honestly, I remember after... I don't know if it was after Mary Grace or Conley. (laughs) When you have a few kids, they run together. Am I right? Okay. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, After one of them. (laughs) I I do not think I prayed for like three months. And I wasn't wandering from the faith, Andy. I wasn't deliberately trying to disobey. And I wasn't trying to like not consider. I was just so tired. I had two babies. They were 18 months apart. I was so tired. It literally after three months, I looked up. I was like, I can't remember the last time I prayed. And my first thought was to feel guilty or feel shame. But I remembered something that I think Dave Ramsey has said, God's not mad at you. He misses you. And he's so excited to talk to you anytime you want to talk to him. And so it was it was this feeling of not the prodigal son coming back. And it's like, oh, and all my shame. It's just like, oh, hey, how you doing? It's so good to talk to you again. And I just I just want to encourage people, don't let that, please don't let that be a source of guilt and shame. I don't think that that's how God talks to us or wants us to experience him.
0: I appreciate that message. That's the type of Christianity and religious nature that I that I really like. So I thank you for sharing that with us. Now let's talk about protecting this. We've talked about a lot of things about what's important to us, defining what's important to us. How do we protect it? I'm, I'm very, I guess I'm gonna say, I'm still working on saying no. My wife teases me and calls me and, 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 Andy, because I like to keep doing more. So how can people, how can Andy, uh, get better at saying no to what doesn't matter so they can say yes to what does matter?
1: I love this. Okay, so, and I talk all about this in step four of how to protect what matters. So there's two parts to this, and I want to start by giving you, Andy, and anyone that feels like you, which is a lot of people, by the way, giving you an out, okay? Here's the out. If you struggle with saying no, and I'll get to that in a minute, I'll get to how to say no in a minute because it is a great skill for us to learn. But if you struggle with it, here's what I want you to practice saying instead. When someone asks you to do something, even if it's awesome, even if it's good, even if they really, really, really need you and they've got these pleading up uh, puppy dog eyes and like you really want to help them and you want to all the things, okay? Even if every single time just get in the habit of saying, wow, that sounds awesome. Let me think about it. Let me think about it. And then, Andy, for you or anyone, it gives you an opportunity to think, think. We don't think when we make decisions ever. We react. Yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'll bring chili to the potluck. Yes, I'll raise your children. Yes, I'll mow your lawn. Yes, I'll help you move. Yes, 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 yes. You're like, you're like me. I wrote the book I needed, Andy. Like My default is yes, anytime, anywhere to anyone. My husband is not like me. He's very comfortable saying no. Maybe, maybe a little too comfortable saying no. <laughs> and he has taught me to just think about things. And so before I commit to something, I will say, even if I feel like I know my answer, I'll say, let me think about it. And then just give yourself a minute, a minute, an hour, a day, a week. Give yourself time to think about it. And I actually lay out several different questions in the book to help people think through a decision. You don't have to ask yourself all of these, but it just helps you process it with more clarity Versus reacting to the opportunity in front of you. Because if you live your entire life this way, reacting to everyone else's demands of you, then the natural result is you live your whole life for everyone else and you never get to those things that make you you, that are important to you, that you value, that matter to you. And so I just wanna help people think through their decisions. And so if, if it's hard for you, just practice saying, hey, let me think about it. Let me get back to you. And if you need an answer now, it's, it's a no. <laughs> but, but a lot of times people will give you that space to think. The second part of it, of the saying no, let's say you think about it and you're like, yeah, this is not right. Saying no is still hard. Here's the great news. Again, another lesson I have learned from my husband that's so great at saying no. You can say it in a way that is kind and loving and honoring to the other person, and you should. You can even say it without saying the word. And so this is what my husband does to me all the time. Let's say that I hypothetically come home with a new idea to redecorate our entire house total hypothetical. Okay. And I come home and I'm like, babe, you don't know need to do, I, I can just see it. It is time for freshening up the living room. Like we could get new couches and then rearrange them and like some new paint on the walls and new throw pills, new lamps. I think we need new lamps. Can you just see it? And he's sitting there and he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he will say to me the, a nice compliment, a polite decline, and then a nice compliment. He might say something like this, like, wow, babe, you are so creative. I love that about you. You know, I don't think now's the time to add such a large project to our calendar or our budget, but I love how you were always looking to improve things. Wasn't that so nice? The answer is the same. That's a no, Andy. That's going to be a no on the house renovation (laughs) for no reason. And so you can say it in a way that is loving and kind. I just got a text a few weeks ago from the nicest man in our church telling me to come to this leader luncheon thing. And his, his request was very nice, but also very assertive. It was something to the effect of here's the link to RSVP. It's at this time. And I hope you'll make every effort to attend. <laughs> I was like, Oh, easy. <laughs> and I replied, I said, this week is my book launch and two of my three kids birthday. So I will not be taking any more commitments at this time. I was totally free Sunday, Andy. I could have gone, but I was not willing to go. So when he said, well, you make every effort, I was thinking in my head, didn't say this, but thought it, I will be making exactly zero efforts to attend because (laughs) this is not right for me. So saying no is something you can say in kindness, but it does take practice. The more you practice this like a muscle, the more you strengthen that muscle, the stronger it becomes and it easier becomes. But for all the people that find themselves saying yes, when what they want to say is no, or what they mean is no, and they end up resenting that decision and trying to wriggle out of it later, here is my moment of truth for you. An honest no is always better than a dishonest yes. Show that other person the dignity and respect of giving them your honest answer. And I I guarantee you, they will not only respect you for it, they will actually trust you more because the next time you say yes, they know you mean it and you really want to be there.
0: I think that's great because there's been many times where I've said yes because I think it's the right, polite thing to do, and then I end up failing. I end up failing that obligation, or I end up failing that need because there are not more than 24 hours in a day, and I'm still working on that, Christy. But I appreciate that. So, so somebody's (laughs) listening right now, and they're saying, "Man, I really love this message, but I am absolutely swamped. I don't even have a moment to think. I don't have a moment." to decide what's most important to me. I'm just in reaction mode 24 seven. What would you say to that person?
1: Well, I would say you cannot think clearly when you're living like that. You can't, I can say to you, decide what matters. And to your point, you can't, you really can't. The great news and the hard news is that you are in control of that. You're not a victim in your life. Anything on your calendar is something you put there or something you allowed to be there. So it's up to you to change that no one can do that for you. Your work is never going to come to you and go, you know why? You should take some more time off. You're doing too much. Your kids are never going to come to you and go, mom, dad, put your feet up. Seriously, <laughs> let me cook dinner myself. It's never going to happen. If you want something to change, you have to change it. And I will give you a couple of keys that are necessary. It does not have to be a huge time commitment, but this is essential if you're going to Get out of that. Get off of being a rat in a wheel, running harder and faster, going absolutely nowhere. You have to get alone. You need silence. You cannot think clearly when everybody's in your face. You need to be alone. You need solitude to take a deep breath. Think, reflect, pray. If you're a person of faith, journal. What do I want for my life? What do I want this season to look like? Because if we're not careful and we never stop to check in with ourselves, to consider ourselves before we pile in the pressure, we wake up, pour the coffee and run, we're going to work really hard for a life we don't even like. So I think it's worth it for you to do the work to get alone. I think it's worth it for you to set that alarm 30 minutes early and wake up and have some alone time, have some quiet or on a Sunday afternoon or during the kids' naps or get some childcare or take a date night and do this with your spouse. Matt and I do this. This is a great exercise to do on your own, to reflect, not in response to your spouse, but then both of you come together and go, hey, what do you want this season to look like? Here's what I want this season to look like. And what does this look like together in a practical way on the calendar? What boundaries do we need to set? Matt and I do this at the beginning of every season. We come together and we, we journal, okay, th- this is what we want individually. And then we share those thoughts. We speak into them and we find how both of us can be represented in that season, in the calendar, in the commitments and, and so on. And so everything I teach in this book, Take Back Your Time, everything I teach is for bringing couples together. I am not a person that says, well, you just chase your dreams and anybody that gets in your way too bad for them. Just bulldoze them. No, that's not my message at all. I do want to help you guard your life and your time around those outside of your household that might be pushy and trying to chip away at your, at your priorities. But we are responsible to people inside our household. When when you walk down the aisle, you decided, you vowed to share your life with that other person, which means your time. And so at the end of every chapter, there are journal questions for reflection and there's a challenge. And the challenge is for you to talk to your spouse about these things. So then you write down what matters to you. They write down what matters to them. And then you talk about that, just like you would about planning a vacation. Well, where do you want to eat? What do you want to see? What do you want to do? Do this with your season. And I think it will spark some really great conversation with your spouse that brings you guys together as a team as you guys both are reflected in the vision for the next, the next season. I think it's something that brings couples together. And older kids, by the way, if you have older kids, ask them. One example that I use, and I think this is just a good teaching point, I wonder how many families go through the motions of doing things just simply because they've always done them. So summer rolls around, it's May and you've got a teenager. that's always played travel ball in the summer. And so you sign him up for travel ball because he's always done travel ball. And so then he goes along with travel ball because well, mom and dad signed him up. So like he didn't want to let him down. Like mom and dad probably want him to do it. And mom and dad never asked him if he wanted to do it. So they just assumed he wanted to do it. So the whole family is traveling all over on the road, in hotel rooms, playing travel ball. And maybe that wasn't even right this summer. Maybe the the teenager was over it. The parents didn't want to do it. What would it look like in May to just sit down with your family and your older kids go, what do you want this summer to look like? Does it look like travel ball? If so, cool, let's sign up for travel ball. Or does it look like summer camp? Or does it look like going to the pool? Or does it look like traveling the country in an RV? You can do anything you want with this one wild and wonderful life. I just wanna be the person going, hey, time out, Zach Morris time out. Let's take a minute and just ask yourself what that looks like. What's right right now? If it's the same thing that's always been right, cool. But maybe, Maybe you want to do something different. You have permission to change your mind, your plans, and your priorities. I want to spark conversations with families that bring them together, that help them align on what they want their shared life to look like.
0: Taking the time and getting out of reaction mode gets you to that piece that you were talking about, Christy. I think that is beautiful. This sounds like a fantastic book. I'm already halfway through it. Everybody, everybody on YouTube, we're taking through it. It's fantastic. I'm really enjoying it. Where can people find this book and then learn more from you, Christy?
1: Thank you so much. It's ChristyWright.com. And of course the book is available anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Target, all that good stuff. And thank you for having me. I love your show. I love that you're helping shine light and hope in this space with families. It is so needed. So thanks for having me.
0: It's a blessing that I'm able to do it. And Christy, thank you so much for your message. I really appreciate you being here today. And I feel like this message of taking back our time can work for most everybody, especially with the season we've all just been living through. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Christy Wright. Number one, define what matters. We cannot move towards a life we truly want to have until we define what life we truly want to have. It's as simple as that. So define those priorities, get specific with your family values and create those shared family goals that will help you get to your own version of peace. Number two, protect what matters. Saying no can be a beautiful thing, my friends. You can do this with grace, as Christy said. The example she gave of her husband doing sort of a sandwich method of no was spot on. A warm compliment. And then a polite reminder of the collective family values and priorities with the final piece of bread of being a another warm compliment. Yeah, I understand. This is this is an art form. There's an art form to saying no. <laughs> also, in my opinion, no, thank you can be a complete sentence as well, especially when it comes to email. Oh, my God. Someone told me the other day that my email box is someone else's to do list. That was a really good reminder for me from a productivity standpoint. Am I helping other people complete their to-do list or am I working on mine? Yeah, it can be a no thank you. A no thank you can be a complete sentence. All right, number three, start today. This message of balance is something that you can do now. It's something that you can do today. It's amazing what can happen when you decide to take control of your time. You can start today by using a planner or a journal and really write down your priorities and start to craft out the life you truly want to have. Those are my top three takeaways, everybody. I would love to hear from you on what yours were. Hit me up on social media and let me know at Andy Hill MKM and let's keep the conversation going. Yeah. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbit for editing our show today and Dan Hines for editing our YouTube videos. We got a Dan thing going on, which is great. (laughs) We're just a shade away from 4,000 subscribers on YouTube, everybody. So please go over to youtube.com slash marriagekidsandmoney and hit the red subscribe button if you enjoy watching these interviews and watching me plug away way on some uh, fun family financial empowerment opportunities, I would appreciate you just hitting that red subscribe button. It doesn't cost you a dime, my friends. Thank you. And before we go for the day, I want to encourage you to join our Thriving Families Facebook community. This is a free group, again, free, another great word, that allows you to connect with other like-minded families who are looking to thrive as well. And each week, we share our wins. And this week, I want to share an awesome win from Cassie. Cassie. Here it is. Although this may not seem like a win, we had to replace our 22-year-old furnace. A major expense, but luckily had our emergency fund to cover it. And since we paid cash, it saved us nearly $2,000. Felt good to not have to finance it. Cassie, way to go. This is a huge win. We talked about peace a lot with Christy today. Talk about peace of mind, not worrying about where this money Was going to come from for this furnace. The emergency fund that you guys have set up here, just like Mortgage Freedom and like Coast Fire, it's a way to use your money today to create peace today. So kudos to you, Cassie, on this win. Can I get a round of applause for our friend Cassie? All right. Way to go. Very cool, Cassie. Thank you for sharing. All right. If you want to share your wins and get inspired by others in our community, please go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. Again, that's a Facebook group. So if you're not into Facebook, no big deal. Come hang out with us on social media, Andy Hill MKM. We're talking about all sorts of wins and positivity and those areas as well. I hope to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Marsha Weider. It's how we spend our time here and now that really matters. If you're fed up with the way you have come to interact with time, change it. This is your life. You are in control, my friends. Carpe diem.